1: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 304 of Locked on Raptors for Monday, April 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Make sure you check out the Locked on Podcast Network as well. Shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked on Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked on NBA with David Locke, Uh, It's a great place, and you can find them all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. If you have a team you're interested in, make sure you're checking it out. And also, if you're a baseball fan... Locked On Blue Jays has started. Uh, The guys from Jays from the Couch are kind of doing a team effort on the podcast over there, so make sure you're checking out Locked On Blue Jays. Subscribe, rate, review, and uh, you can also do that with Locked On Raptors as well. If you haven't done it so far, please do it. It takes no time at all. It helps the algorithm, helps my ego, all that good stuff. Uh, So please, ratings, reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places you can find the podcast. I don't know where people find podcasts. I've used Apple Podcasts my entire life, so I don't know the world beyond it, but hey, if that's what you got to do somewhere else, Else and there's a rating and review system on there. Please leave one on there as well, please. Um, all right, on today's show, I'm joined by John Corrales from Locked On Celtics, some more Locked On Cross promotion. Uh, we just talked about the game on Saturday. The Raptors lost 110-199. It was uh, a dumb fourth quarter in which the, the Celtics went to a zone um, like some Syracuse ass team, and it was uh, super annoying. The Raptors ended up kind of collapsing, and it was, uh, you know, I have not really raised the alarm for most of these losses of late, and I'm not doing it by any means for this game. But if there was a game in which I would understand you wanting to raise the alarm, it's probably the game against the Celtics on Saturday. There were some troubling signs in the fourth quarter, but at the same time, Lots of good stuff happened as well. We got into all that with John on this podcast, so uh, enjoy it. It's a good chat. John's fun. He's a, uh, a reasonable and acceptable Celtics fan, which uh, is hard to find these days. I'm just being—I'm uh, kidding, sort of. Not, nah, nah, I'm not really kidding. John's cool. I like John. Um, and uh, he—we'll say he speaks for all the Celtics fans, even though we know he doesn't, those dastardly Boston Celtics. Um, either way, listen to Locked on Celtics. Subscribe, rate, review to that podcast. They do a great job over there. And uh, you, I'm sure we'll uh, hear from John later in the week. Uh, you can always listen if you want to tee up the in the lead up to the Wednesday game against the Celtics, the rematch. Um, yeah, so that that's it for me. I'm totally out of it right now. I'm in the middle of recording trivia, and I had to do this in between. Um, so uh, this is your Monday podcast. The trivia podcast is going to come on Tuesday, the first half of the Sweet 16. So stay tuned for that. Finally making its long long awaited return. Um, and uh, yeah, until then, thank you so much. Subscribe, rate, review. Here's the conversation with myself. John Corrales and uh, myself and John Corrales, good God, I am so out of it today. Anyway, John Corrales, myself, Talking Raptors Celtics, up next, enjoy the conversation, we will talk to you on Tuesday with uh, trivia episode number four, I guess it is, or number five, yeah, so uh, we'll talk to you then.
0: All right, Sean, so let's just get right into it here, what's your big takeaway from last night's game? (sighs) That <sighs> is that sigh enough. Yeah,
1: it was. Um, it was. A, if you're a Raptors fan, it was a disappointing game. And you know, so for me, I think I probably err on the side of. I don't really have takeaways from these games lately, anyway, because I just feel like the Raptors, just like a lot of people, are kind of. You know, just waiting for the playoffs to come around, and I'm not sure exactly, you know, how much I should glean from everything. And I feel like the 65 or 66 game sample of them being the best team in the East by a significant margin is—it's going to take a lot for that to be washed away from me. So even games like this where. You know, that things kind of fall apart in the fourth quarter. It's really hard for me to get too up in arms over and have like a big serious reaction. I mean, Raptors fans are insane. And like, you know, it's understandable considering the amount that they've been beaten down in the past and how, you know, the playoffs have always been this looming specter. And it, it, I feel like it's understandable that people are freaking out right now a little bit because they're, what, three and four in their last seven games or something like that. But um, like, even though the fourth quarter was a disaster uh, for the Raptors, I, I just can't come away thinking anything but what I've thought all season and that. I still think the Raptors are a better team than the Celtics. I think they are set up well to sort of translate their changes into the playoffs. And I thought, for me, the Celtics just played an excellent game. And I thought Brad Stevens coached a wonderful game. Um, that, that zone they busted out in the fourth quarter, I think was what kind of was the difference in the game because the Raptors, with CJ Miles struggling so badly. And I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen CJ, I don't know if I've seen a CJ Miles game that bad this season uh, or ever really. He was just uh, lost on both ends. Marcus Morris was owning him on both sides of the floor. And yeah, 0 5 from Depot, 0 6 from the field. The only points he got were on a foul three point attempt. Um, like, I, I just, with Miles not shooting that well. And with sort of the the difficulty of you know trying to match for size while also trying to keep shooting on the floor, the Raptors didn't have a very good sort of look to throw at the Celtics with that zone, and they didn't really break it apart until at the very end they had like a nice little play they ran where Lowry caught a screen on the baseline and then hit a corner three, and I thought, hell, okay, that, that's nice. They at least drew something up to try to get around it. But um, I thought the zone was what kind of changed this game, and, and that was kind of the difference for me. And you know that. I have a hard time getting too upset if I'm a Raptors fan because I still think, for the most part, they're fine. and There were a lot of good things from this game. I thought Serge Ibaka was excellent, um, and he's been good the last couple of games after having a couple months of really bad play. Uh, Demar Derozan once again kind of continued his thing where he just owns the Celtics every time he plays them, and I think there were just as many good things from this game from the first three quarters and a bit than uh, as there were bad things from the last five minutes or so. So I don't know. What, what do you think, though, as a Celtics fan? Like, does this change your outlook of what the Raptors are as a team or what the Celtics? Are capable of?
0: Oh, so okay. So on Twitter last night, I was I was definitely trolling Raptors fans. There's no doubt about that. So anybody who it's very Raptors easy to do, by listening. the way.
1: <laughs> it's an easy thing it's, to do.
0: It is a very easy thing to do, and, and partly why I did it because I don't know. I it was it's a Saturday night. I was kind of watching a little bit more as a fan than as anything else for for a night. I took like a night off from all the analytical stuff. But uh, it was funny because. I think going in like the biggest storyline going in was really like coach of the year mm-hmm. which is not a big storyline at all it's right dumb. like that who, <laughs> who cares really but we care because you know we're making it a big thing and I think the the fourth quarter kind of was like hey it's great that Dwayne Casey got the the Raptors to play differently and and, and be different and and all that stuff and he's done a great coaching job but I think the, the first thing that came out of that game for us was, you look at that fourth quarter, and that was a display of how good a coach Brad Stevens is mm-hmm. and how he's the, the, probably the coach of the year this year. And while that is not important necessarily, coach of the year is not an important award, it is important in the sense that I know that Raptors fans are the way they are because they're sensitive about the way things have gone in the past. Mm-hmm. And th- things have gone downhill quickly in the past for the Raptors. That's not – I'm not saying anything, and I'm not try I'm trying not to say it in a way that is disrespectful because I actually – I like the Raptors. And I have said in the past that if it's not the Celtics, I would like to see the Raptors – you know, if, if they lose to the Raptors in the conference finals and the Raptors go on and somehow win, i that'd be – I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that because I think this season for the Celtics has been house money. And obviously I want the Celtics to win, but if they don't, if they get outmatched, a Raptors Raptors win would be kind of nice. I'd like to see something pay off for the Raptors fans. However, that being said, it has to scare Raptors fans a little bit when a Celtics team that was missing so many guys and relying on such weird lineups. It's got to be scary for you guys that Brad Stevens was able to pull out this zone, Mm -hmm. something different that the Raptors weren't able to handle it. And a rookie in uh, Jason Tatum was able to basically play point guard for a stretch and be effective. Like that, that to me was the biggest thing that they found another way to win. I wasn't expecting them to, to really play well, First game off of a, a long western road trip that they went undefeated. That first game home after trips like that always tends to be a letdown game. But somehow these Celtics keep on doing it and there's this magic. Like Aaron Baines going off in the first quarter and hitting two threes. What the hell is that? Like that <laughs> That's that's some crazy shit. You're like, this this doesn't mean like that's not something you can count on. But you need kind of crazy things like that to happen to to win games when half your team is out, but that last that that fourth quarter where the Celtics outscore Toronto twenty eight fifteen and so many things went wrong and and the Celtics zone shut down basically the the Toronto offense. That if you're gonna glean anything, if for me is the Raptors are well coached, but are they coached well enough to make adjustments? In the crunch, in crunch time, when it matters, and not that last night's one game is a, a you know indictment on Dwayne Casey, but it does kind of show like, huh, all right. If if we do match up, and it is in the conference finals, then the Celtics will hopefully be fully healthy, and Kyrie, and basically everybody will be back, save for Gordon Hayward. How comfortable do you feel about in the crunch when? It's one coaching decision or another that could be the difference in, in this game. Do you feel comfortable going up against a Brad Stevens in that situation?
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: yeah look i mean that's always been the criticism of dwayne casey and i've echoed it and i've i've totally bought into it in that his in-game adjustments are kind of if he has one big struggle that's probably it and i think you know the the arguments for for coach of the year and whatnot like i don't particularly care i would just say the 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 individual arguments for each guy. Like, Brad Stevens, I think, is more a master of the minutiae, right? Whereas I think Dwayne Casey, his argument's more of a big-picture, holistic approach kind of thing. And you're looking at sort of how the team itself has changed, not so much, you know, what lineup they're using in the middle of the fourth quarter or how they're deploying this set here or this set there or this defense here or or in whatever situation. Um, So I think that's where they differ and where their cases differ um, and and where the arguments would would sort of factor in for both guys. But, uh, yeah, no, Casey's in-game adjustments have never been super quick and I think this season there have been some examples of him doing it uh, and having a bit more success with it and this sort of whole season for me has been a bit of a, you know, an exercise in just giving the Raptors the benefit of the doubt at the start of the season. I didn't think they'd be able to change their offense. They did that. I didn't think they'd be able to be a good defense all season long. They did that. I didn't think they'd be able to run lineups where they don't have one of Kyler DeMar on the court. They've done that all season to great effect. Uh, even the crunch time offense, you know, don't look at last night, but uh, even the crunch time offense I think has gotten better over the course of the season after some early season struggles, and I didn't think that would come around either. So I think all season long, Casey's been kind of taking these challenges challenges and knocking them down so this new challenge is posed he didn't knock it down in the middle of the fourth quarter yesterday but I feel like over a series, like I feel like that zone would be figured out by Casey over a game or, or the in-between time between one and one game and another. And I think we saw this in the playoffs last year with the Bucks, where after Game Three of that series, the Raptors completely changed their starting five and they played differently, and they ended up just blitzing the Bucks for the rest of the series. And that's what Casey's good at. He's good at the sort of long, long game in in series adjustments as opposed to in game, and that can cost you games here and there. But I think overall, it's still not a bad way to go about things to be able to. Effectively change what you're doing from game to game. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's no doubt that in a close game, a, a tie game with five minutes left, as good of the, as, as Toronto's been as a crunch time team this season, or just a fourth quarter team in general, um, you know, their defense has been just so good in crunch time. The offense is, is, a, is, a, is a struggle sometimes, and if a team's going to throw a defense like that at you and you're not going to be able to figure it out right away, that could cost you a game, and obviously every game is precious in the playoffs, so um, it is a concern. I don't think it means Dwayne Casey's a bad coach. I think a lot of coaches have these little foibles here and there. Uh, You know, I mean, Raptors fans, a lot of them would have you believe that Dwayne Casey's a bad coach, which I think is a ridiculous thing to say um, (laughs) because of the success he's had this season and the way he's been able to change things around. Not everyone's going to be absolutely flawless. Um, And, like, even Brad Stevens, like... As great as Brad Stevens has been this season, the Celtics' offense is a chore to watch, and I hate watching it. Um, and I'm not sure how much of that has to do with Stevens, but like it was just a steady diet of mid-range shots last night, and like I'm not sure that's what you'd like as a as a fan when you're watching your team. It was just not the most attractive offensive game for the Celtics until late in the game. Um, so I think all the all coaches have their own little you know issues here and there and things they have to work on and weaknesses. And certainly it could come down to that in a playoff series. I guess for me. I'm not particularly concerned because I just don't think I see a path to the Celtics and Raptors playing in in an Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving in the first round. Like, I think there's a very real chance the Celtics could lose if they get the wrong matchup. And in the second round, if they come across the the Cavs or even the Sixers, like, I think that's a close series. Uh, And same goes for the Raptors. The Raptors aren't guaranteed to make the Conference Finals either, depending on sort of how their path goes. Um, so I guess I have a hard time being super-duper concerned about it because I just think the likelihood of it is pretty is pretty slim. Um, and if it does come around to it, yeah, maybe that's the difference, but I also think the Raptors' talent has been... Uh, you know, kind of on display all season long, and when I mean, you get games like DeMar had last night, and like for the most part I thought the Raptors played a good game as well. And I feel like you'd probably agree. Like the Raptors didn't play poorly until the last five minutes or so. They were pretty, you know, with it all night and their their ball movement was excellent. They shot like fifty four percent through three quarters That's something insane like that. Um, like they had a good game for the most part. Obviously it fell apart in crunch time, but I still think there's reasons to be optimistic as well and not to take this as like some sort of you know referendum on the Raptors as a franchise or anything like that um, which every loss seems to be that these days but um, no <laughs> it's it's just something that it's definitely a concern and the in-game adjustment stuff for Casey is still going to be an issue until it's not but I, I don't think that's like a, a death knell for the team or anything like that.
0: Yeah uh, look they still play one more time there's six games left. It's a two-game lead, so nothing's definitely settled. Uh, although I will say that game in Toronto, the, both teams are coming off the back-to-back. It'll be interesting, but yeah. Toronto was such a, such a different team at home. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics went in to Toronto and got smoked. I mean, this thing can't last forever that the Celtics are doing, and they get they got to play Milwaukee, which it's more important for them to beat Milwaukee because that is their current seventh. Uh, They're the current 7th seed, and that's their current first-round matchup. Right. So if they want to affect the playoffs, if they want Miami instead of Milwaukee, then they'll they'll need to beat Milwaukee. And quite frankly, at this point, even though it's possible, I don't think that first seed is probable. I don't know. How do you feel about holding on to the first seed?
1: Honestly, I think it means a lot less than people probably think it does because if you look at the standings – we have no idea what the optimal path for either of Boston or Toronto is going to be, right? Like, Philly's tied with the the Cavs in the loss column, and Philly has the easiest schedule known to man to close the season. They play just all <laughs> the tanking teams. Like, that's, sure, go go for it. Yes, they're, they're without Joel Embiid, but still, like, they should win every one of those games. In theory, they'll be favored in every one. And, you know, at the bottom of the standings, we have no idea where the Heat and Bucks are going to finish. I'm not sure how you feel about either of those teams. I'm not particularly worried that the Raptors are going to lose to either of them because I think the Bucks are a disaster who don't really know what they're doing and just have Giannis, and that's a nice thing to have, but... You can't just only have Giannis, and I just don't think that he'd have the offensive firepower to win a series. But um, so I just I don't know. Like the two seed might be optimal. We have no idea how it's all going to shake out with Philly and Cleveland. And if you're trying to sort of map out your way to a conference finals, you, you like honestly it might be okay for the Raptors to be closer to the Celtics. Maybe they can tank their way down or something if they want to do that. <laughs> um, honestly, like I, I just we're, we're at the point right now where we just have no idea what it's going to look like. So I have a hard time getting too up or down with every loss. Because it's like, all right, that loss could be good. It could be bad, but it also could be good. I don't really know. The Raptors play Cleveland on Tuesday. That if they win or lose that game, like that could either be good or bad. I I have no idea. So, I mean, I do this every year, and Raptors fans especially do this every year as they fear monger for every potential playoff matchup. But um, watching the matchups is kind of futile right now because it's going to change in a dime with every single night of of action.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about the bottom of the standings. Uh, Like I said Milwaukee like so you don't want to face a guy in Giannis who is arguably the second best player in the East behind LeBron but uh, the the rest of the Bucks have been so average that I Don't I'm not afraid of them necessarily uh, And and look without Kyrie. I'm sure that everything is gonna be a little bit more difficult Nothing is a given but the thing about the Celtics recent run is has been that it's given Brad Stevens a ton of options that they didn't seem to have before. Uh, And I don't want to count on a rookie necessarily in the playoffs, but Jason Tatum's play over the past few weeks has shown that maybe he can shoulder a load, if need be, for the first round of the playoffs. And if that doesn't work out, then they can go to another direction. We've seen Al Horford go big with Al Horford, and he's actually brought the ball up a few times uh, as like a point Center, which mm. has been fun, uh, but the the Celtics have given Brad Stevens options that he knows works. Even if the, he unleashes that zone at a weird time, like he, he doesn't go to it too early. He goes to it like after a full game of playing you one way. And part of why it was so effective against Toronto and it was very effective against um, uh, Portland, and they they've been able to kind of unleash it at the end uh, when oh i'm sorry it was against utah it was against utah when they when they did it Mm -hmm. down the stretch where a player has seen 40 minutes or 35 minutes of a thing and then all of a sudden you start running pick and rolls and you turn a corner and there's a guy there that wasn't there the entire game Mm -hmm. and you have to you have to adjust and that's what's made it so effective so when all of a sudden he throws it in there, what do you do? Do you force the other team to call a timeout and burn a timeout in a, in a key moment or make an adjustment, make a, a substitution? And now all of a sudden he's, he, the Celtics have you playing on their terms. So they can do that against lesser teams like Milwaukee, Miami. Uh, I really don't want to face the Wizards without Kyrie and without Marcus Smart especially because Their guards are so good. I don't want to face that backcourt. That's the one matchup. If they fell into seven, I'd be like, oh, shit. Because defensively, the Celtics would have a lot of problems stopping the Wizards. And and that's probably the one I would want to avoid. But Indiana, Milwaukee, Miami, those three teams don't necessarily scare me. Even the Sixers, as talented as they are, uh, I I don't believe in them just yet. I think they're too young. I think you can game plan if somehow they can turn, a team can turn Simmons into a jump shooter and and cut off his his drives to the lane somehow. I know it hasn't been effective, but in a series you can game plan against that stuff. I think it's going to take them a postseason to kind of figure it out. Next postseason, if they're fully healthy, watch out. But I I think Philly is not quite as scary, but certainly they're super talented and they probably not be uh, my first choice either. But Indy, Milwaukee, Miami, I'm not too worried.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Yeah, the Sixers, their offense doesn't quite do it for me just yet. And I think uh, kind of in the playoffs and like crunch time, they haven't been particularly good, which I think is kind of the biggest red flag for me. Um, And as good as their defense is. Yeah, I think the Simmons thing, I think we saw last night with the Celtics um, and how they dealt with Pascal Siakam, who obviously is not Ben Simmons, but he's kind of... Done a little Ben Simmons y type things as a non shooter who can kind of make some plays. Uh, way to a way lesser extent than Ben Simmons, but same sort of idea. And I think we saw last night, the Celtics are just like, okay Pascal, you can hang out there on the perimeter, we're not going to guard you even a tiny little bit and yes, there's the threat of you sort of just barreling in and making a play on the drive, but we're going to take that chance and we're just going to load up on you when you do drive and it's just and Siakam was kind of useless last night it was one of his worst games I've seen him play since his rookie season last year where he was one of the worst starters in basketball um, like he just didn't really have it last night after a, a few weeks of just really great play from him. So I think the Celtics, their defense is going to be able to stop anybody, I think. My concern with the Celtics is their offense. And, um, you know, last night, I think it required kind of a crazy offensive night from them. You know, Aaron Baines doing what you mentioned in the first quarter, uh, where he was just like, draining threes. Like, I don't think you're going to get that all the time. And even Marcus Morris, like, I'm okay if you're going to have Marcus Morris taking 15 shots in a game. I think most teams would live with that. Giving him 11 free throws, on the other hand, uh, TJ Miles kind of screwed up there, um, but I think you're okay with that funneling all those shots that way. And um, so yeah, I, I think the the Celtics' downfall will eventually be their offense. The Raptors could be the decision making. I don't really know. Um, it's uh, it, I'm having like I don't know as an outsider for you when you're watching this this Raptors team. Are you at all like? Like dissuaded by the recent play that they've had, and, and sort of sort of letting the thoughts of playoffs past kind of creep into your head. Because I still am not there yet. I know a lot of Raptors fans are, and I I get like just dumped on for being the positive guy, which seems weird. <laughs> but uh, I don't know from the outside, of, like looking in. Are you at all concerned about where the Raptors are trending?
0: Well, I like I my. Biggest troll job last night was my tweet where I said, "Oh, this this is definitely an Eastern Conference preview because the Raptors are (laughs) collapsing." So that that was that one. I I think was maybe a little over the top. Uh, It drew um, it even drew a rebuke from Toss Mellis on Twitter. So I know what I've gotten in, but I've got under his skin, and he's a friend of mine. I know what I've got under his skin. I might have been like, "Okay, that might be a bit much," but but at the same time, at the same time here was a situation where I don't know how the players approached it, but it was one versus two. First seed is, the the one seed is still in play, and from an outside perspective, from a fan perspective, this was a big game. Like, Mm -hmm. this was a Saturday night game. Uh, Granted, it was on NBA TV, and it wasn't the ABC game or anything like that, but it was still the Saturday night game, which is kind of a primetime it's a big deal. And I think to see the Raptors collapse in the fourth quarter is you know, against the Celtics, where, like I said, the coaching was on uh, under the spotlight there. It was pretty obvious that Casey got out coached, mm-hmm. and it's pretty obvious that the bench didn't play to its highest level. I think from the outside, looking at the Raptors and all season long as great as the raptors have been every national person and every non-raptors person and i'm in that mix has been saying raptors are great but and last night was the but Mm -hmm. when we say we don't know what's going to happen down the stretch are the raptors going to revert back to derozan and kyle lowry just taking turns and trying to just out-talent you, which they certainly can.
1: It's not always a bad idea for what it's worth.
0: Uh, Right, no. I mean, look, Lowry and DeRozan are really goddamn good players. They're really, really good players. So them trying to do it on their own is not necessarily bad, but it's also something that hasn't worked for them in the past. Mm -hmm. This season has been less about that and more about the team play and that bench. And so... When you see that bench kind of – you had two guys that are key players for you not show up and and play poorly, and you had the coach not make that in-game adjustment. And this is – and I'm not saying this is the game that proves any sort of theory, but it still becomes a game that people can point to Mm -hmm. and say, take that Raptors-Celtics game in Boston, for example – and they can list all the things that I just said and say this is why I don't trust the Raptors. And it's it's legitimate, I think, from the outside that you, those are things that the Raptors are going to have to prove in the playoffs. Can the things that have gotten you to 55 wins so far and that top seed can you duplicate them when you're playing the same team four to seven times and that team can game plan and adjust? and play for you specifically rather than a regular season, kind of play how they play and just tweak things for you, you know, and, and, and find ways to, to play whomever's in front of them because you know how that goes in the regular season. So that that to me, looking from the outside, I'm kind of curious to see how how the Raptors respond to that.
1: All extremely fair points, and I, I while I've kind of thought all season long that Just looking at the changes the Raptors have made... Like, I think it's unfair to say this team is just because it's the same, you know, three players and and head coach who have been around the last few years and Jonas, Kyle, DeMar, and Dwayne. Like, I I think it's lazy to say, like, yes, they're just going to be the same as they have been in in seasons past because they're a very different team, very different principles, uh, entirely different offense, all these things. The defense is better than it's ever been. Um, All these sort of things, I think, are the reason why. And I I still feel optimistic that these changes are going to translate to the playoffs and it's going to be a smoother transition uh, into that sort of style of play. Um, and I guess my counter argument to Everything you said would be like last night the Raptors didn't play like they have been all season long. And again, it's, it's, it's a spotlight game and it's an important game that obviously is going to be highlighted, but I think the larger sample of the season still has to be taken into account here. And the Raptors have been one of the best fourth quarter teams in the league. A lot of that is just blowing teams out with their bench because they're up 30 points and they just continue to pour it on. But a lot of it is also their defense has been outstanding. it has been a sub 100 defensive rating, uh, up until maybe a couple games ago, but I still think it is in fourth quarters. Um, um, and they, they've still scored at a pretty good rate. And their, their crunch time offense has gotten better. And I don't think you're going to get games very often based on what we've seen this season where Pascal Siakam, C.J. Miles, Jakob Pertl, and DeLon Wright are all going to play horribly. I mean, this was one of the the worst games for all four of those guys. And then Norm Powell is in there just sort of mucking things up, being this season's Norman Powell uh, late in that game, which I didn't really agree with. I thought OG Ananobi should have played more. Um, and I think... You know, with Fred VanVleet being the only bench guy who was good, that's not going to happen every night for the Raptors because we've seen all season long that these guys are just better than that. And the starters, I think, they kind of regained their form a little bit. They've looked a little shaky the last couple weeks. But, uh, you know, at the start of the season, it was actually the game after the first game in Boston when OJ and Anobi took over as a starting small forward. Like, the starting five has been dominant all season long and has blown teams out for the most part. And I think it was nice to see them get back to that last night. And, like, I think the the whole package where everything clicks together is definitely a different team than we've seen in the past. I guess the question is, will it click come playoff time? I still tend to believe that, yeah, like, I think these changes are sustainable. I think what we've seen all season should hold up because I, I have no reason to doubt it right now because it's been so good for the most of the season. Um, but, yeah, I totally get the, the concern and the trepidation that comes with a game like last night, and it sucks. And I just think it's a matter of like weird timing, and you know the schedule was crazy for a couple weeks. And I just think the Raptors being up five games a couple weeks ago, I'm not sure they particularly cared about the close of the season. I think you know the the playoffs have always been kind of what they're looking forward to, especially when the entire conversation around the team, like you mentioned, is. Yeah, this team is great, but what's going to happen in the playoffs? Like, how do you not look forward to the playoffs when you know your entire season and how you're going to be judged is hinging on it? Um, so I think there's just a lot of factors as to why the Raptors have kind of hit a bit of a lull here. I think when it's all clicking together, it's still a damn good team, and the the offensive changes were still on display last night. Like the, their offense was humming in the first bit of the game. You know, Demar and Kyle combined for 16 assists. That's kind of the ethos of what they're trying to do. Um, so while the fourth quarter was rough, I again. I'm not one. If you're trying to come to someone for like grand takes after an individual game, uh, I'm probably <laughs> not your guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is fine. No, this is fine. I, I'm glad to get the Toronto perspective because that's you know look we play again on Wednesday and we may face each other again in the playoffs. I mean, again, mm-hmm. it may be the conference finals, but uh, it's it would have to be the conference finals actually because we're pretty much locked into one and two somehow. So it would have to be the conference finals, which would be. A hell of a matchup I mean that would be that would be uh, amazing and the Raptors I think in that situation would definitely need to have a home court advantage because like mm-hmm. I said they are tremendous at home they have some problems on the road but uh, I think uh, I think having that home court would be super important for Toronto and I I do think like I said that you guys will have it I, I'm I have this feeling that Wednesday night will be a little bit of a revenge game and that the Celtics magic will run out. But we'll see. I've thought that about other games this year, and they keep coming up and, and winning and doing this stuff that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I've, right, is,
1: I've compared the Celtics it. all season long to just the pimple that won't go away. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're extremely persistent and annoying, uh, but they're just still there all the time. Um,
0: That's hilarious. Yeah.
1: And you mentioned that you wanted to get—you're glad you got the Raptors' perspective. If you want the real, like, good, juicy Raptors fan perspective, just go to. Mostly just that endless screaming Twitter account, Um, but like, there's, there's like, you can go to dark places, like Raptors Republic comment sections, if you're looking for really angsty, angry, take-ridden Raptors fans, Uh, that's the place to go. If you, if you, if you have not appreciated my uh, uh, "everything is fine" sort of mentality.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I see no reason to, to think to to say it wouldn't be fine. You're still the top seed. Last night's loss. Uh, notwithstanding. Okay. This was fun. Uh, appreciate it, Sean. Everybody, if you want to follow Sean, he's, uh, like I said, he's the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast, and he's on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Hey, Sean, thanks for uh, coming on for a bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. All right.
2: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.